Welcome to the 323rd episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Brian Tassot, author of the novel Songs of Thalassa. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Brian Tassot, author of Songs of Thalassa. Is that right? Yes, you got it. Yep. Uh, Songs of the Universe, book one. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. Nice to be here. Great. Well, if someone listening hasn't heard about Songs of Thalassa yet, how would you describe the novel? Yeah, well, you know, it's a bit of an unusual book, but uh, it's really primarily science fiction. It's set in space. But I use quite a bit of science to kind of integrate that into what's happening so people are learning science as they go. And it's also got kind of a, a surfing angle as well as an environmental angle. And so do you remember the original idea that led you to write the novel? Well, you know, I'm a professional marine biologist, and I've been working for the last 30 years to protect our oceans. And I've been doing that primarily through research. And, you know, I'm a, I've published a lot of papers, scientific papers. But I decided that we needed to shake it up and take a different approach to reach people. And so the original idea was how best to do that. And so I came up with the idea that, hey, if you put somebody that really didn't care about the environment on a, a virgin ocean planet, that I, I believe they would learn to love that planet because here's it's unspoiled by, by humans and want to protect it. And so in turn, they would feel that way about Earth. And so that was generally the idea, kind of an experiment, if you will. And so had you done any fiction writing before you wrote this novel? Uh, Not really, no. You know, most of my work has been as a scientist, you know, since the 1980s. Uh, I have been blogging for the last seven years, which is kind of what led up to the novel. Uh, So I've done a little bit of fiction in that way, but, but most of that has been nonfiction as well. And so what was that experience for you to to write your first novel? <laughs> it, it was quite a ride, actually. You know, I kind of thought having published lots of papers, I published over, over 80 scientific papers, I would be, you know, it'd be a snap. But actually, you know, of course, as you know, writing science fiction is very different than writing science. And so I had a lot to learn. And I, you know, spent literally years going down the wrong path until I kind of learned what I need to do to make an interesting novel. And so what did you learn? Can you, can you kind of articulate that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's again, part of it, I didn't really have a clue. I'm pretty much self-taught. I read a lot of books and things on how to set up, you know, character arcs and develop good characters and things like that. And those were all really important things that I hadn't really talked about. I didn't realize at first that my novel would have a lot of dialogue in it. And so that's something I really had to learn how to do. And then ultimately, you know, develop an interesting path for my characters, mainly the protagonist uh, and the antagonist, and get them through the book in a way that would be interesting to the readers. And so you're a lifelong surfer. How did your passion for surfing filter into the writing of your novel? Well, it was a big piece of it, you know, and I primarily used that as a hook 
but also a metaphor for what Sage, the, the main character, is going through in terms of trying to conquer the ocean, right? It serves the biggest wave ever. And of course, I was interested because I've read about the physics of what waves were probably like on Mars. And it intrigued me that a lower gravity planet, which is what Thalassa is, would have very different waves, waves that are could be a lot bigger potentially because they're not pulled down by the gravity of the planet, but also moving quite slower, which is kind of ideal for a big wave surfer because it gives you a chance to jump in and surf it and yet ride perhaps the biggest wave ever. And that's really what the, the book is about, part of it anyway. So you also work as a marine ecologist. How much research did you do for writing this novel? Well, a lot because, you know, the marine biology and surfing I, I knew pretty well, but I didn't really know that much about astronomy, you know, making a reasonable sun and using Procyon as a, as a star and then creating a planet from scratch and then having it to have a geology, which, again, is a lot of it based on Mars because it's a low-gravity planet and paleontology and lots of different fields, oceanography, that were not really my primary areas of study. So I had to kind of bone up on those areas and mostly current research, things that we've just learned in the last couple of years. And so what are your earliest memories of reading in books? Well, my mom was a big reader and she had bookstores all of her life. So I had grew up surrounded by books uh, you know, of course, we grew in a lot of children's books when I was a kid. She used to read the Wizard of Oz series to me when I was younger, and I turned read those uh, with my wife to our children. You know, so that was probably the earliest memories I ever have. But gradually led into, at a very early age, I was reading books on my own. So, you know, I was four or five years old. And so do you read a lot of current science fiction? Huh, yeah, not as much as I would like. I mean, I... I it's been kind of a conundrum to me to want to write my original stories. And I'm a little worried about picking up things from books as I read them, but of course I can't put them down. So I am still reading quite a bit and especially kind of more modern ones, as well as I have a backlog of kind of classic books that I've reread several times that keep me, you know, interested and engaged. So, we were discussing your journey of writing this novel earlier. When you were writing, did you outline the novel extensively or did you write more organically and just kind of see what was happening? Well, you know, as a scientist, of course, I'm pretty structured. So I did start out with an outline and I kept, you know, working with that for quite a while until I thought I had the story. And then I started writing, you know, and, and that helped. But I did realize at some point I completely went off my outline and sometimes, you know, things just came out of the blue in my head and just. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials to participate. Simply fill up an orange hefty renew bag with accepted items, tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? 
outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Ended up on the page. And so it was kind of a quite a mix between having a pretty structured outline and also just writing from the seat of my pants, so to speak, and, uh, you know, letting things come out. And especially the last third of the book, that really just kind of came out of my head. I hadn't really planned it. And what was that experience like to be writing without an outline? Oh, it was, it was really actually quite magical. I was, I it's a, surprised myself that I had these things in me that I didn't really know were there, you know, and it's kind of like, I felt like I was guided to, to some destination by, you know, who knows my mother's voice, other people's voices, uh, my life experiences to just kind of develop the story that I hoped would be meaningful to people, but not until they really finished the book. That's really what I wanted is I like books that, kind of keep you going until the last page. And so that was really my goal. And it, and it, and it happened. And so are you, are you working on another novel now? Yes, I am. You know, I, I originally, as I started writing the first book, I realized there was going to be a lot of information that I wasn't going to be able to complete. And so on purpose, I started embedding kind of some mysteries and enigmas that weren't necessarily solved in the book, but those are remaining for the second and third books. And so, uh, yeah, right now I'm beginning the outline process. I'm starting to outline uh, the details of the first four or five chapters, and I'm starting to write those. Great. Um, So given your experience of writing this novel, what writing advice would you offer for listeners who are writing their own stories and novels? Well, you know, I certainly think it helps to know how to write before you begin. You know, I kind of did that backwards or in process. Uh, I also, because of that, reached out for help. So I had a couple of content edits by Oren Ashinovsky at at, uh, MythCreants. He helped tremendously with kind of straightening out some of the storylines. And then, of course, I had a really good copy editor by Ariel Anderson, those reaching out to people that are knowledgeable in the field definitely help. Uh, probably the biggest one is just not to give up. You know, like a lot of people, this wasn't my day job. And so I really only had weekends to work on it. And you just took a lot. It took me about five years to really push my life aside at least a little bit to where I could squeeze in this and stick to it. You know, it's, it's, it is, there's times when I just felt like dropping the whole process, but, that perseverance, I think, is an important trait to eventually get published. And how does it feel to finally have the novel done and, and available for purchase? Oh, it's it feels great. You know, it's it's it was wonderful when uh, 
on April 1st, pretty much around there, I was holding the book in my hands and, and looking at it after so many years of thinking about it. And, you know, of course, it's selling pretty slowly at this point, but I can see that it's starting to, to get more readership. And so that's exciting. I mean, I never had illusions that it would be a bestseller, but, you know, I guess I didn't know what to expect. But just to have it out there and have people reading it, that's all I really cared about. I just wanted people to hear Sage, this woman's story, and what she has to tell the world about, you know, environmentalism and caring about the planet. And, you know, and the Hawaiian culture that's threaded through the story is a really important aspect of it as well. And so what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Uh, the one that I'm reading right now is when the, Where the Crawdads Sing. It's a really great book, and I'm enjoying that one. I, I do read pretty broadly. I read a lot of biographies and murder mysteries. Uh, the other one is I just reread uh, Niven and Parnell's book on the, the Modis, The Moten's God's Eye, which is one of my favorite books. Um, and they have a new book out on the Legends of Herod series, uh, Starborn and God's Sons, which I'm just starting to read now. And that book, they started the, the first two books were back in the 80s. So it's taken them a while to finish. And I think me, like a lot of other readers, have been waiting for this, you know, kind of series of books to finish. But yeah, those are those are currently what I'm looking at. I don't read a lot of nonfiction uh, except for biographies. Never right. read it recently. And where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your book? Yeah, I have a, a, a two websites actually. My main one is my name, Brian Tussaud.com. I'm also known as Dr. Abalone. So if you search for that, that's kind of my pseudonym. Uh, you can find that with relative to that website. But then I have a website that's just based on the book itself, and that's called songsofthalassa.com. And so you were you were mentioning earlier about writing this blog for seven years. What was that experience like, and and did it translate at all when you started uh, working on this novel? Oh, absolutely! It was a huge influence. You know, it's, again, it was something I kind of just started. I got to a point in my life where I felt I had some things to say that weren't science. And so I kind of stepped out of that box and started writing about anything and everything. I mean, actually what started it was the death of my dog, which, which I was so surprised at my age in my fifties that it had such an impact on me. So I wanted to write about that. And that just led to all sorts of things that just, again, kind of poured out of my head. Blogging is such more of a free form thing that, and now I'm up to, you know, not that many, but 150 blog posts or so. Uh, and it, it just took my brain in a direction that I've never uh, experienced before. Because science is kind of rigid and, you know, not very creative. And it, so it opened this whole channel up that eventually led me to writing my book. So it really was uh, the step that led me into thinking about publishing. And so and I've done that. And it feels really great. And I'm still blogging as well because I still fun. I get an idea and I just like to go throw it out there and see where that goes. And where is that blog at? That's at briantussaud.com. Okay. And I'll have links to that in the show notes as well. Again, we've been speaking with Brian Tussaud, author of Songs of Thalassa, Songs of the Universe, book one. The book is available now, so go buy a copy. And Brian, thanks for doing this interview. 
All right. Thank you, Jeff. I enjoyed talking with you. Great. Thanks a lot. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.